Welcome to the DNA Podcast, your go-to source for nerd knowledge in the 21st century. I'm your host, Steve Pugh, and join with me again is the wonderful, the amazing, the impeccable, uh, my go-to source for nerd knowledge in the Star Wars universe, Mr. David Perry. No, you're not my go-to source? What are you? I shouldn't be, but whatever. Uh, You get what you pay for, Steve. Oh, do I? Um, we also have a special guest tonight uh, from the Saber Guild Kessel Temple, uh, Miss Kate. Madam, thank you so much for joining us on the show tonight. Madam, oh my goodness, so formal. Right? Pinky's <laughs> out, bougie over here. Um, we are going to be talking about uh, tonight uh, one of the shows that has recently come out, uh, something that was a little bit nostalgic. Uh, we're going to talk about Obi-Wan. Uh, but before we get into that, uh, we do have a sponsor for tonight's episode, uh, FossilCrates.com. Museum quality replicas conveniently delivered to your door. With various boxes at every price range, these sets are designed for the casual collector to the dinosaur connoisseur. Use the code DNA10 to get 10% off your next order. Fossilcrates.com. Museum quality replicas. 65 million years in the making. So let's go ahead and uh, get into this. You know, we always start this off with a uh, what have you been up to? So, David, sir, it has been a little bit since you've been on. So what have you been up to, good sir? I'm trying to think what we talked about last time. Uh, I went to see Jurassic World. Oh, how was it? I haven't, I, I know, shocker and pop. I haven't seen, now, now here's the thing. I was on vacation and I know they're like, oh my God, that's not an excuse to go. You should totally go and see it. No, it was a family <laughs> vacation. I had the twins and I had my oldest. And so it was a lot of family bonding time. So, but we'll get into that in a second. Well, well I'll talk what I've been up to. But shut up. Shut up, David. <laughs> Don't judge me over. I know it came out June 6th and it's June that's 28th. Like, that's like three weeks ago. I know. Look, look how long it took me to go see Batman. All right. Shut up. Yeah, but you're the dino guy. You're the dinosaur. I am the dino best. guy. I okay. know. Jurassic Park is your thing. It is. Jurassic Park is not old enough for, for dinosaurs. Oh, well, the twins are two and a half, so you know it's kind of hard to go see them. Take them to go see. They're them. not going to remember it. Uh, I, I would love for them just to sit down for it. That's that's the thing. <laughs> um, but all right. So what would you think? It's a big dumb movie. Well, okay. It's oh, it's great. <laughs> well, you liked it, Kate. You saw it. I have not seen it. Oh, Judge Kate. Oh, she hasn't seen it either. I'm excited to see it. <laughs> I see, but but see, she she doesn't. Go she ahead. and I don't have the history of her being a dinosaur person. So. <laughs> Who's not a dinosaur person? Right. I met right. exactly. like exactly. dinosaurs. That's like you're not my friend. Exactly. You should have seen how I went total fangirl when we got the paleontologist, Dr. Brian Curtis, the guy who does fossil crates on our show right. the first time. I was over here doing this number like the entire time. I yes. legitimately asked him to adopt me. Um, it was it was bad. It was bad. Yes. Um, but some reason he came back again and now he loves our show so <laughs> uh, I, well I, I, like i said i'm surprised you didn't weren't there on opening night because you should have been i'm dude um, i'm so tired from the kids like it's so exhausting work and then them and they they're they're they run now they run all the time all over the place mobile. Oh my God. very mobile <laughs> and it's 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 not like they run both in the same direction they run in opposite directions and my guy steve you, you have made choices in your life and now you are paying paying for the consequences of these Touché, choices. you're right 
Well, you now, know, she put a ring on it, so uh, I was like, well, I guess I, that's the next step. You'll, you'll notice I have a basement full of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Which is the direct yeah, result of me not having yeah, any children yeah. of my own. Gosh. Um, but oh. the, the the thing with Jurassic World, with the Jurassic Park movies, huh. is the same thing with Godzilla movies. For some reason, the people who make these movies think that there needs to be a plot and a story and characters involving humans. And no one goes to a Jurassic Park movie or a Godzilla movie to see humans do anything other than run and be eaten. Well, which Godzilla movie was it with uh, Brian Cranston in it where the, the, the Japanese guy was like, let them fight. The entire, oh, that was like, the, that's that all was like he the, kept saying. That was like the 2014 Godzilla movie. And that was Ken Watanabe too. Oh, it was great. So great. He's just like, he said the thing that everybody wanted to just let them fight. Why? Because it'd be totally awesome. But the the last Godzilla movie, King of the Monsters or whatever it was, where they had Mecha Godzilla. I mean, again, there's this whole plot involving humans. No one cares about the humans. Not even a little bit. And it was nice to see, like, I think it was St. Petersburg or something. You just get eaten, just get destroyed by Titans. It was great. Uh, So that's kind of the same thing. Uh, uh, The movie itself is kind of dumb. Mm. And by the end of the movie, nothing really happens other the sole purpose of jurassic world uh dominion is to put uh ellie dr malcolm um dr grant claire and owen and the clone girl all on the screen at the same time Hmm. because the way it the way the movie ends they're in the exact same spot at the end of fallen kingdom dinosaurs (laughs) are just running amok nothing nothing has changed in the world and so, but there it's are almost like they that. set it up for another trilogy. <laughs> they knew what they were doing. Yeah, I mean, okay, yeah. <laughs> but, but, but they just, they need to get rid of all the humans. And now the, the best character is a new character that they introduce. Um, uh, Kayla, um, I think is the name of the character. And she's, she's the, the pilot of the plane that they hijack and, and not hijack, that they commission. And, and that's just the best of the characters. Everyone else is just kind of flat. And again, it was an excuse to put to put Dr. Sattler, Dr. Grant, and Dr. Malcolm again all on screen at the same time. Mm. Uh, you know, bring the band back together, feast on the nostalgia, uh, and then milk it for as much as they can get out yeah. of it. Fun fact about that uh, about the original Jurassic Park, though, uh, the the lady I can't remember her name right now that played Ellie Sattler. She was nineteen when she played Ellie, Dr. Sattler, which in a, in the book. She's actually older in the book, not by like just by like a couple more years, but she's older in the book. And this is a one of those things that they they did in reverse because typically it's an older person playing a younger character, but it was flipped in Jurassic Park. Is that true? Okay. Yeah, that is like absolutely true. She was 19. 19. No way. Laura Dern was 19 when she did Jurassic Park. She was 19 Laura when she Dern. did Jurassic Park. I'm looking that okay. up. Okay. That's same as uh, Carrie Fisher. She did uh, Star Wars. Was she really? She was 19. A new hope. New hope. Wow. She was born in 67. Wow. We have to do the math. 67. And Jurassic Park came out in 93. That's what they said. That was a fun fact. So I found out. So you may correct Uh, me here. Oh, don't you dare correct me on your first time on my show. How dare you? (laughs) Uh, it's, I, you know, it's, it's math, but it is math. Um, all right. Well, she's, she's sitting there tricking that how bad my math is and how my, uh, she, that was 26, 26, 23, 23. 
and right, I just so maybe she was it, and it says 23. So I don't know. Maybe oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, well. But that's, that's I mean, so that's weird. very young. That's so yeah, still. Oh, whatever. All right. I get wrong facts. Fun. Well, that, and <laughs> other people, other people have said that, that the Jurassic Park Dominion is the worst of the Jurassic Park movies. No, I mean, it can't be worse than Jurassic Park 3. It's not worse than Jurassic Park 3. Thank God. And like I, Jurassic Park three that that one just had like the huge dinosaur that went around. Yeah, Spinosaur. Yeah, and they it was just fantastic. Absolutely... <laughs> like, this is exactly with, with what I wanted. William H Macy. I, yeah, I mean, uh, Taylor Leone was in that. I mean, I, yes, I would. I would say it's probably. I would say it's probably even better than Fallen Kingdom. I liked okay. it better than Fallen Kingdom. Dude, Fallen Kingdom was just so depressing. That was the one with the dinosaur auction, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't finish it. That's okay. Like I, I couldn't stand watching a brachiosaur die for like sixty seconds. And also that found that out. This is this one I can vouch for. The brachiosaur at the end of Fallen Kingdom is the exact same one you see in Jurassic Park One. Yeah. So when he jumps up and everything and yeah. stands up, yeah, that's just him dying. So you know what happens to him. Well, that's depressing. <laughs> <laughs> um. So you saw Jurassic Park, which was uh, this whole this whole tangent. Have you didn't done anything else? Uh, I've been watching Miss Marvel and watched Obi Wan. Like I loved Miss Marvel. I loved loved uh, it a lot. The, the first episode of Miss Marvel was fantastic. E- yeah. Even if you take out all of the superhero stuff, and it's just a sixteen-year-old girl whose family is from from the from the southern Asia before the partition, just they are fantastic. Her family is amazing. That just that just their dynamic as a family, they could be their own sitcom. Yeah. Um, and then you add in all of the all of the other stuff, and it's kind of just getting good after three episodes. So the fourth episode is going to be tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, and then beyond that, uh, I've just been getting my costumes ready for uh, our trip in August to Galactic Star Cruiser. So I'm so jealous of you for that one. <laughs> I'm going to um, mention that every time I'm on. Yes, I, I know you are. And then it's after like when you I were talking about every week. To... Oh, by the way, did you know that I went to Galactic Star Cruiser at the beginning of August? It, it's just like Dragon Con. We literally named an episode. Did David mention that he's going to Dragon Con? Have because... I mentioned that I'm going to Dragon Con at the end of uh, at the beginning of September too? So a month after, <laughs> a month after I get back from Galactic Star Cruiser, I'll be going to Dragon Con, and then a couple weeks after that, I'll be going on a cruise ship, and then a couple of weeks after that, I'll be going good to New Lord. York Comic Con. So, oh, good Lord, man, golly, um, line up. <laughs> yeah, right. Way to set the bar. Um, however. I love that you were talking about Miss Marvel because we will be talking about in that in not this coming episode or but or rather next week's episode. Um, so we're going to be doing because I, I think you're still going to try to be here, David, for it. And we're going to have Lee Winika yes. on board mm-hmm. and then we're going to have Harley Knox and we're going to sit here and we're going to talk about Ms. Marvel and nerd culture with cultural uh, inclusion into it. So we're going to be talking about, you know, how it's improved and mostly kind of just like go over how like awesome ms marvel is and then like how we've seen superheroes progress and everything where we've gotten a lot more inclusion in cultures like shang chi and uh black panther and we're seeing a lot more of the soups um i have been uh, I've been talking to you on and off uh you and uh lacy did i've been getting all my comics slated up because you know they're they're vintage and I have a good friend who is a longtime supporter of the podcast. He was telling me about a super that I had no idea about called the Arabian night. Um, so as a gift for him, uh, 
I went and I found, and I know it's kind of blurry, so I don't know if I can do it actually. Right in front of your face. Yeah, right. That's what I tried. Oh no. Yeah. Regardless, it's uh the Incredible Hulk issue 257, uh, and it's a 9.2 uh grading, uh, but it is the introduction of this superhero for and so I got this issue for him as a gift for saying thank you for being such a longtime supporter. And he's been like one of those people that is like whenever I struggled about doing the podcast and I had hard times, he was really there to support me. And so this is like my little nerdy gift to him. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, like I said earlier, I had been doing the dad thing, like hardcore. Uh, we went to the science center uh, in Connecticut science center, went and saw the mummies there. And that was quite possibly the most terrifying exhibit I've ever gone and seen in my entire life. Uh, Kate, I highly recommend you go see it. Because oh my god terrifying wait why uh, is it terrifying so, so like you, you think like oh it's going to be all egyptian mummies and everything right yeah. i'm like yay mummies da, 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 da. like i went with all the and i get in there and you, there is some mummy stuff and but there's it's not just mummies it's mummification and it's like and it's not just there's like german people yeah. that were mummified from like the 1800s and Oh. just like I was like all right this is kind of cool this is kind of dark like it's and but there was like half a body that was I want to say like melted mummified and like there's a handout it looked like the mummy and when they opened up the sarcophagus and it was all like juicy they had actual ones like that and it was just like the upper half and they're like this guy was caught on fire in like 1653 or something like that and was mummified by the petroleum and the ash that was in the air and he's just like like half his face is like it was horrifically terrifying i'm like oh my god but like yeah it was and i like here's his petrified heart or his mummified heart and i'm like yeah that's it like and you paid money for this uh well i paid money for the connecticut science center because it's all like kids stuff. <laughs> it's not like we're going up the floors and going down and doing all the stuff with the twins and my. So did your kid? Did your kids enjoy this? Uh, the toddlers didn't really they like it. Know. They were kind of quiet and just like hiding their faces. And my oldest was just like, "This is a lovely place of death." Like he. <laughs> Later on, we went to Hot Topic and looked at uh, you know, shirts and everything. It was it was one of those kind of days. Uh. <laughs> It was, it was terrifying. I just looked at, I looked at my wife. I was like, oh my God, like I've seen the, uh, the human body exhibit where they've done like the, the, all that. And that's really neat. I've done seen like actual mummies. And I was like, all right, that's cool. This was like horrific. And I was like, oh my God, this is like the Connecticut uh, science center. It's very kid friendly museum. And then there's this exhibit. And I was like, Hmm. That escalated quickly. Um, okay. Well, we went to, but then we went to, like, we went to the Rhode Island Zoo, uh, the uh, Roger Williams Zoo. Totally awesome. Got to mess around and see some animals, and went over and checked out in Mystic, and went and checked out the Cloak and Wand again. They had their their new store open, uh, Alice's Bookstore, and it, dude, it is so cool. It is like super, super gothy, creepy kind of style i know i just talked about how mummies terrify me and then i'm like yeah let me talk about edgar Allan poe um no but it's really neat um they did a really really good job with it so that's pretty much what i've been up to then i've been painting um and it's so funny i'm on an egyptian theme because i'm painting 
uh, my bugs, I, my Tyranids, I'm painting them uh, Egyptian themed. So I think that's why I got excited about the mummy exhibit because I was like, hey, I'm doing stuff. I want to go home now. Like, um, <laughs> so it was just all mummies, not just mummies that were stolen by the British. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was okay. like international mummies. Oh, I did. I, this is actually um, one of the how the ways we got into touch with our, our lovely special guest here. And this is a great segue. All right. So Kate and I met at 90s Con. Uh, we have a mutual friend, Molly, who set up the 90s con, which was absolutely impeccable. So and uh, I ended up seeing her at a D&D game at a restaurant. <laughs> small uh, world. <laughs> it is a super small world. So my good friend, uh, James, who runs Covetous Imp Gaming, um, hosts uh, at, at restaurants D&D. So we, they get a section of the restaurant. We play D&D. You get discounted on food and... So you're supporting local and you're also playing D and D it's like typical one shots. Um, Kate and I actually happened to be at the same table. So we were sitting there talking. She got to see me play D and D at like, since I never get to be the, the characters like a playable character, like a PC. I just, I didn't, I don't want to say I went full murder hobo. I was a, I was a, dwarven fighter so i just kind of went like hey let's go into it but i did it with like a minnesota accent so i was like look by golly don't you know we're going over here okay then let's go do some killing then and i thought dwarves had scottish accents did i get scottish no i thought dwarves all had scottish accents oh oh, i thought you know well there's the minnesota vikings so like wouldn't why won't there be the minnesota dwarves (laughs) i don't know i just I don't know, because I went in with the mentality wanting to be like the, the rogue or assassin or something and just being like so excited, like because I knew it was a one shot. I was like, oh, man, I hope I get a rogue so I can be like, oh, boy, then I just want to go do some killing. <laughs> and but I didn't. So I said, nope, I've been working on this accent all day. I'm going to do it. And Kate, this was her first game of D&D, by the way. First right. Game. This is your first game. Yep. And she is impeccable she's amazing she I got no a, damage i think they're just going easy on me uh, no <laughs> like, well, what you point, Kate? That. no i was a claire yeah, i was a claire i was a martial arts person like she was amazing okay. she did a really good job she good. she actually tried to play her character knowing it was a one shot my character was very wise so i kept like trying to talk everyone out of like fighting all the time i'm like well we don't know what its backstory is you know she did good she she is a great campaign campaign yeah uh she is somebody you want in a campaign very very good our table is very loud and laughing a lot i would say that's good then you're playing then you're playing D correctly (laughs) well we also had ken my my massachusetts guy there and my uh the guy kevin uh, who is D&D with me as well, as well as he came to 90s Con with me. He's my giant Hodor guy, so he comes and helps me out with everything. But yes, yeah, so this is how we got to meet Kate. Uh, and so I got to know her better, and I was like, man, you know what? She'd be awesome to have on the show. And Obi-Wan Kenobi is like the perfect like segue to get her on, to get her on more and more often. Um, so without further ado, Kate, Welcome to the show and welcome to our tangent. This is what we do, by the way. Um, so, yes, that was, let me ask you this before we actually get to know you more. What did you think of D&D? I 
had so much fun. Oh Did my you? Goodness. Yeah. I mean, I'm still like a little like hazy on some of the math. I didn't realize there was gonna be so much math in it with the modifiers. <laughs> so I still have some questions about that. But I took, I sold my little like cleric cards, like bring it home to just like study it some more. And then I think mm -hmm. I'll kind of like figure it out. <laughs> but uh, I had so, I had so much fun. So much fun. I cannot, I'm, I'm definitely going again. I think they're going to do it every other week. Yeah, they, um, they are. And I was just at a con this weekend and I bought my first um, dice. Uh oh, I did dice. Uh -oh. oh, no, she, she's going to fall for it. <laughs> it's really pretty. That's, like, that's, how, yeah, shiny, that's, that's, how, that's how you get, it. yeah, that's how you become a dice goblin. You, you start <laughs> collecting them. You're like, ooh, that one's pretty. And then they betray you and they roll horrible like four or five times in a row. And so then you put them in dice jail and you end up getting more dice. And then you end up like me and David, uh, who have like just a plethora of dice. Yep. That's that's what happens. Like you know how you're collecting lightsabers. That's what's going to happen with dice. It's. I, mean, I didn't like set out to collect lightsabers. It just kind of happened as I got more and more. <laughs> oh, that's fun. What was that? That's these cool are one. these are Chessex Nebula dice, and this is a black light which charges the dice, what? and after that they glow. Well, that's cool. See, that's that's how you get. That's how we get you. I gotta get that um, book too that Jim had that like tells all about it too. And I'm sure that was all the DM guide and everything. Yeah, explain because I didn't quite understand too. Like all the the characters, like the cleric, I would have thought would have been like a bookworm, but like no, that's the martial arts master. And I'm like, well, okay, you you were a monk, so you were. A monk. Oh, I was a monk. I was yes. a monk. I was a monks, okay, that's monks, different than a cleric. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Cleric. Yeah. Monk. I wouldn't have thought. Well, I guess like the Shaolin monks. I guess. Yeah. Like, yes. Got so it. clerics are either like holy roller or they're fire and brimstone. Yeah. um but it's it's but fun clerics also like a like a priest then yeah they're yes. kind of like they'll heal you they they they, yes. they go they a priest why is he a cleric <laughs> old guy go well it goes back to ad and d but then but the other thing is um when the, in fifth edition they've re, they've eliminated the need for a deity for yes, that is true or clerics so that's they don't always necessarily have a deity that they worship in in older editions they did um oh. but the in the original D, D model the the party was built around the fighter cleric magic user thief model and so there those are the four basic archetypes and then all of the other classes fall into some some uh one of those categories i don't so, think we that's, had magic user did we no we we, we didn't we had i we could have i could have oh. taken wizard but i tried to trick Ken into taking the wizard ah. and I wanted the but I digress yeah we would it was fun though we we had a blast alcohol was involved uh there was good food um fireside place oh my god great burgers um so much so that I actually convinced my wife to let us go out and get order some food and she's like oh, I don't want to cook I'm like oh let's go to fireside place I'll pick up um <laughs> but uh we did not come here to talk about food we did not come here to talk about DD we came here to talk about you and Obi-Wan. So let's get to know you a little bit better. Um, so you are, you're in the Saber Guild, Kessel Temple, which is the Connecticut-based one. Um, give me a little bit of working knowledge here. What is the Saber Guild? Sure, sure. So, um, so Saber Guild, it's, a, it's an international uh, lightsaber performance and screen accurate costuming group. Um, so like 501st and Rebel Legion, some of these other fan groups, um, we are, we do work with Lucasfilm or Lucasfilm 
uh, preferred, I think is the wording now. And um, in order to wear your costume with our group, it does have to be screen accurate. It goes through this global approval process. And uh, we team up with the other groups all the time. But what kind of sets Saber Guild apart from like say 501st is that we do um, lightsaber performances. So we actually mm. have clearance to do what we call the clicky clacky, uh, do a little light stage combat with each other. And we also run a super popular uh, kids lightsaber training program. It's probably our most popular program. And we just started doing some um, lightsaber training for adults as well. But the kids program is more of a performance, I'd say. And um, the adult training is more like one of our practices where you actually learn about how to do choreo and about safety and working with the fight partner and how that works. Um, so, so yeah, so, so Kessel Temple is the local Connecticut group and I'm the uh, local director um, elected. We have elections every year. So I've been the local director for the past uh, two years now, I think. Nice. Two, three years going on. Yeah, it's fun. Our group's really grown a lot in the past couple of years. Actually during COVID, we grew a ton, which I guess isn't surprising. People are looking for excuses to go out and do things. But um, mm. but yeah, we ended up recruiting a ton of people over, over COVID. So now our group has, gosh, I don't know, we have maybe like like 10 or 11 folks with approved costumes. And then That's even awesome. more than that, folks that just come to practice and help out as handlers. I'm not going to lie. You guys were super friendly when, because like I said, I met you guys at the 90s con. You guys were super friendly. Um <laughs> very energetic very you were in character the second i came over there and i loved it and i was just like oh i meant to interview people i wasn't even thinking about like in character situations and totally threw me off guard and it was absolutely amazing though and i was lucky enough to actually get to watch you guys do the training with the kids and my son got to be in it and so he was super stoked in like the filming and everything he's like oh there i am there i am I'm like, ah. uh, you got you guys do fun cool things i liked it it was fun and I was kind of like, I don't want a lightsaber. I want to go do this. And, but, you know, I had to fly the drone and do the other stuff, but you guys were absolutely just impeccable. Like I, I, I want to say you were adorable, but that's not the right because you guys were just like, you guys were fun. You were like, you really did bond with the kids. you made them feel very welcomed and excited about star Wars. You got really into it. The music was there. Uh, you you brought the feel of Star Wars, and I thought that was impeccable. It just we worked, absolutely we amazing. Really hard on it. I mean, I believe it. Basic believe program it. is something that all the temples do, but um, we we've really worked hard over the past couple of years just with little tweaks and mm. uh, and how we do it, how we run it, how, what the script is like, how we interact with the other Jedi out there, how we interact with the Sith. It's kind of evolved over time. And what I think we've come out with is like a really professional, fun program. And I'm really proud of it. I'm really proud of our group. We work You really definitely should be. Like, so, so do you do the same program every, at every demonstration or at every exhibition? How does that work for a, you guys? That's a really good question. So when, when folks uh, ask us to come and do our kids lightsaber training program, right now, yeah, it does tend to be kind of the same script. It will, mod, it will kind of change a little bit depending on who the lead Jedi is. If we have our Luke Skywalker there, he does it kind of a certain way versus our Rey, does it something a little bit different. But uh, we've actually been getting booked so much that we actually have kind of like a little fan group that follows us around. So we have some kids that have done the training several times. So granted, it might be a different cast every time, especially who the Sith are might change every time and how the Sith interact when they do the uh, spoilers. <laughs> this is kind of interrupt a little bit. It kind of changes every time. But we have been talking about some really cool 
uh, tweaks that we're going to make to it so that we have maybe like an, an A and a B version of the program, maybe even a C down the line. So we are working on that just because we've gotten so popular and we're doing it so often. So it's a good problem, I guess. <laughs> okay, so the, so the program that you have is, is story, choreographed stage combat as opposed to just spontaneous sparring. Is that right? Correct. Yeah, that's a big difference between us and like the, what they call it, like the Ludo sport. I don't know if they call it the Ludo sport, but the actual, where people do fencing with lightsabers, that's different. Ours is stage combat. So it's all pre-choreographed and practiced. We could kind of do stuff on a whim because if we have a fight partner, we, could, we have certain letters and certain ways of choreographing. We could kind of come up with something on the fly, but it's all perfectly safe. Uh, we, we, we're professionals, we practice at this. So yeah, it's not, we're, we're not actually trying to hit each other. <laughs> so, so in, in terms of you, you talked about costumes. Um, so in when, how many characters do you have? How many different characters do you, do you have in Saber Guild? Oh, uh, let's see. Cause I, are you, you're the Twi'lek in the pictures, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. That's my, that's my newer costume. I got that one approved. I first made that as a cosplay. I actually did, wore mm -hmm. it to New York comic-con last year. Uh, and I think I got it approved in, I want to say like January, February. So I just started kind of wearing that with Saber Guilds. Okay. And I have a generic uh, Jedi named Kato. And then I have a Sith named uh, Kamos. <laughs> now, when you, when you made your Twi'lek, did you just take your existing Jedi costume and just add the Laku and body paint, or did you come up with a whole new costume? Completely different costume. So my very first costume that I made, my Kato, is kind of a classic Jedi that you would see, like, on the Geonosis field. You know, it's got the tunic, it's got the tabards, the pants. Um, my Twi'lek, I wanted it to be a little bit different. I wanted her to have more of like a like a general type feel so i made more of a vest like tabards for it and she has a skirt which um was a decision because i do like doing cartwheels and some more acrobatics with my choreography but i thought well if i want to have too heavy leku that's probably gonna be too dangerous to do any crazy spinning with so i might as well do like a really fun skirt so when i do a spin it kind of like adds to the drama okay now who where'd you get your leku I got my Leku from Twilight Pam yes. online. Is that and the person you used? Yes. Safe? Silicone, yeah. Yeah, yeah. She, they're great. <laughs> I yeah. actually oh. ordered a, ordered two more pairs. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, have a pair, I have a pair of hers. I, when she reopened her orders on January 1st of this year, I sent her an email immediately. I, yeah, I did the thing on the website. And then it's like, oh, you're 93rd in line. So, but, but you know what? Um, it moves really quickly. It yes. does move really quickly. Yes, it did. Yeah. She did. Now, do I you actually just ordered another pair today. <laughs> I, I, I would kind of like to get a pair that's flesh colored, so I don't have to put on body paint. Because uh, that's what you, I just ordered. That's what I just ordered. Was a flesh the, the, the ones you have are green, right? Uh teal. Teal. Okay. And uh, which body? Which uh, do you use the alcohol-based paint or the which which colors did you get? So a mix. So for my Twi'lek, I have that costume approved with sleeves and without sleeves. So okay. if it's a hot day, I figured like, well, I'll get the without sleeves approved. So when I wear it without sleeves, I do it alcohol based on my on my arms um, okay. and, and like my hands. And then my face, I always use a water based. Okay. Because I, I, I was using alcohol based I for, for the smuggler I'm building for... Um, for Galactic Star Cruiser. Have I mentioned that I'm going on Galactic Star Cruiser in a month? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I, 
I, I put the alcohol-based paint on my face and that, you know, it's just a beast to get off, especially around the eyes. So I was so wondering you if you get, had any tips. There's a product that you get that my friend just introduced me to. My friend Molly, actually. Uh-huh. Uh, it's a dermatolo- Dermatologica. Do you know that brand? Dermatologica? It's hard to say. They make a, a, a pre-wash that you could use because the okay. best way to get it off your face is but don't wet it. Put um, like soap on your hands, put it up, put it on your face, let it sit and then wash it off. But even then when I was doing that with the water base, like I still like it took a few washes, but this Dermatologica stuff, Molly turned me on too. Okay. I just had like put it on twice and it took it all off. It was great. So, so you, you, is, is it a powder or a gel or, or what? It's like a, it's like a, it feels like a makeup remover. It's kind of like a, like a liquid kind of, and you put it on, you just like rub it into your face. And okay. then wash it off and do that twice and it gets it all off like it's awesome now you, you said you use a water based on your face and alcohol based on your arms what brand again i'm just picking your brain here because yeah. i want to find out for myself so what brand what do you use for the the water based the water based is the mayron paradise okay. um palette um because when i bought it from twilight pam you know you choose yeah, yeah. Okay. To match and then the alcohol based i want to say hmm it might be like a pro air. So okay. I got it thinking like, oh, I use it in my airbrush. And I just haven't had enough time to really figure out how to use my airbrush. So I just like, I know it's not great, but I just like put it on a sponge. I just like slather it on. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, so for your, for your different characters, you said you have a Jedi, you have the Twi'lek and the, a twi- you have a Jedi, a custom, a custom Jedi or generic Jedi, right? That's a rebel legion term. You have your Twi'lek general, and then you have a Sith. Now, when you when you go to a demo, do you guys, um, or when you go to to do, to do a program, do you, you got organize in advance? Okay, you you and you you're going to be our Sith for today, and you you and you are going to be our Jedi, and you you and you are going to be handlers and that sort of thing. Is that is that how that works for you? Yeah, so our group kind of just got big enough that I've had to start doing rosters because before okay. it was just you know obvious if we had five people going and three of us had approved costumes obviously the three are going to be in costume and the other two were going to be handlers but uh we actually have so many now that i do put up i do put up a roster um so i'll see who rsvps to like the events that i set up like that's the whole administrative part of this <laughs> position it takes up a lot of time won't lie but i'll kind of put up i'll see who rsvps to our event and then i'll kind of like figure i'll kind of like put together like a rough roster being like oh with who's coming and who's been in costume before who hasn't who's newer who wants more experience i just kind of put it out there and then if anyone in the group is kind of like oh you put me in costume but i'd rather be a handler that day we just we just switch them out we're all volunteers i'm not gonna we're gonna make someone do a role that they don't want to do but in general people do want to be in costume they do want to perform because it's exciting and a lot of fun so and and do you do you just take do certain people like to be the sith more than the jedi or or just do you so just everybody learn ask, everybody call everybody else's choreography i'm sorry yeah yeah so we so whenever we have a new member and they're coming in and they're talking about their costume we always encourage them to do a generic jedi why? Because a generic Jedi is just easier to get approved because face characters are notoriously difficult because, uh, and they can be more expensive. Um, so we always say, get your generic Jedi in so you can jump in, start doing programs right away, uh, go for it. Um, I'm like, once you get that approved, do your Sith. Because the way that we run things is we always like for the kids, especially for the kids programs, we always like there to be more Jedi than Sith more good guys than bad. It's just kind of like a balanced thing, especially some kids get a little, get a little scared with the Sith. So you always want to make it look like there's more Jedi than Sith. So if we only have, you know, 
two Jedi that day, we might not do the Sith part. So that's why we always say, if you want to get right in and start doing programs, Jedi is always best. We could always use them versus Sith for a kid's program. We might, it might be cut if we're kind of low on members that day. Um, but I got to say, like, we do have some members that only have a Sith and okay. they just really enjoy it. And it, I won't lie, a Sith is a really fun character. They get the best lines. So totally understand that. <laughs> so if, if someone was interested in joining, for example, Steve, who has a bunch of his own lightsabers. He has several lightsabers of his own. So it's if true. he wanted to join, but he doesn't have a costume yet, could he come to practice and could he learn the choreography and learn the safety and, and do all of that with you before he has a costume that's through your membership process? hundred percent. In fact, we encourage it. We say, come to a practice. We have open practices. Anybody could come as long as you're a mature teen or adult, come and check us out. Make sure you like us, <laughs> make sure we vibe, you know, and, uh, you know, pick up a saber, do the clicky clacky, see if you like it and then go from there. And, um, and also we, before people start buying parts of their costumes or sewing or putting them together, we always say, come talk to us, give us all your questions. Uh, our costume standards can be a little overwhelming for kind of a beginner. So we do have a costume counselor in our group, uh, Dave, who's amazing. So we always say, talk to him. He can like draw some pictures, show him what you're thinking, and he can kind of give you some feedback. So before you start investing in this, because these costumes are an investment, they can kind of cost a, a lot of money depending on um, how much skill you have with crafting leather work versus, you know, if you're just going to buy it. So we always say, come talk to us, show us what you're getting before you purchase it. So you're not making an expensive cosplay no, that's not approved. Do you have somebody, so let's say I'm terrible at making a costume. Do you guys have somebody like, hey, this is who we recommend to use? Well, we do have some some members in our group that are really good sewers that if okay. they don't have anything going on, might take a commission. Uh, and yeah, we do have some some uh, vendors that typically generally do approvable costume. Nice. Twin Roses is like a really big one that a lot of people know about. Okay, you were talking about adult costumes. So uh, I know, because I'm a member of several costume clubs, and for a lot of the armored 501st costumes, the, the price of admission starts at about $1,000. Just no BS right there. Yeah. Uh, so if, if someone wanted to come in with a generic Jedi, what kind of price range are they looking at? You know, whether they're commissioning work or whether they're dealing with a sweatshop in China or, or whatever. What's, what's, the, what's the general price range for most good quality costumes that can get through um, uh, the, the costume director uh, office? Um, so I'm pulling up Twin Roses right now just to see really quick. I feel like I can see what their prices are. It's it, I hate to say it, but it kind of like it varies. So if you're if you're um, of the female persuasion, say getting Jedi boots is really no problem at all. You wait to the fall, brown equestrian boots everywhere. For guys, a <laughs> little bit harder. I mean, I don't know where Hamilton gets all of their guys' boots from. I would love to find out and see if we can grab some. But for guys, often that's the most expensive part. Um, usually they have to get those custom made, um, unless you're lucky enough to have a foot that would fit into like a large woman's size boot. <laughs> so that can often be the most expensive part. Um, belts, that could be another expensive part, unless you know leatherworking. It's actually not too difficult if you have the tools to make your own uh, Jedi belt. There's a ton of tutorials online. But then once you have the belt, you also have to make sure you have the pouches. That's a little bit harder to do with leather working. So you might have to purchase those off of Etsy, which might be like 50 bucks for one of those. And then the pants are just khakis. That's easy. But then you have like the top. So if you're a sewer and you could just go to Joann's and buy the fabric, um, 
I mean, for I, I don't think it's it's too difficult, but then you have a sower <laughs> the cosplayer. It's actually putting together tunics kind of kind of simple. Uh, and with just very few modifications, you could modify a Joanne's uh, pattern to make an approvable tunic. You just gotta do your research and make sure you're sizing it to yourself. Um, but a lot of people end up just purchasing off of Etsy uh, or Twin Roses, one of those places. And those tunics can go, I'm gonna look it up because I don't know, I haven't like heard <laughs> this one before. Oh, it looks like the tunics are about 245, it looks like. And then if you want a Jedi robe, which is optional, you don't have need a Jedi robe to get approved. Those go from 155 to 245. So I would know, I would say you're definitely looking, you know, if you make your bell and you're able to get and you're able to get boots off of Poshmark or from um the Goodwill, you could probably make it for under you know, three, 400, but usually I think just for boots for guys, often that could be like $300. And, and, and that's also before the lightsaber. Yeah, that's the fun part. <laughs> so so in, in terms of lightsabers, you know, there are a number of retail available sabers, for example, you know, the, the Force FX, mm -hmm. which I have here behind me. Now, some of these are character specific. So if someone were to apply, if the only thing they can get their hands on immediately is $150 Force FX Vader, and they want to apply with their generic Jedi, will that get through the costume standards or would they have to get a custom saber or one that's not character specific? Good question. Good question. Dave's not on here. So I'm not going to like make up any answers. I'm not okay. quite sure. I know the Force FX ones, we don't do choreo with those okay. because they're expensive and if they break, they're hard to fix. Yes. So we always say get, get like a an ultra saber, saber for Jakai saber. One of the, you get something that, or borrow one of ours, you know, to that, that if it breaks, you're not losing a lot of money. <laughs> something you can't fix. Get a saber that you could fix. That's repairable. That's like made for clicky clacky. Uh, if you have a very character specific hilt that you're using for a generic character, ooh, uh, depending on how iconic it is, I'm not okay. quite sure. Because even if you're going for say, a Luke Skywalker, like we get, there is, there is like a little wiggle room there because we do know the saber that you're using, like the actual Graflex is really heavy and kind of hard to do the lightsaber choreo with. Mm -hmm. So to get your face character approved, you might need to have at least like a nice replica of that, but then it's okay for you to switch to a simpler saber to do choreography with, like that's allowed. Now you're, cause like ultra sabers, some of them come with lights and sound and some of them are just come with lights. Do you require lights and sound in them, or does it just just have to light up to be to show on the on the stage? These are really good specific questions, David. It's <laughs> like you're this, this, this is my veteran. This is my like when <laughs> I, I ask the I ask the simple questions like, how did you get into Star you're Wars? Really and he goes, so uh, what type of kyber crystals are you using? <laughs> <in> your, <laughs> uh, <laughs> what planet were these uh these kyber crystals from yeah, that's what i want to know if these are too specific steve can edit this part out but but i'm, I'm, no, no, no. I'm curious it's a good question because it's actually one that that i do have a, kind of a strong opinion on i prefer stunt sabers that don't have sound okay so having the sound is a really cool moment when you're doing kids training and, and they're holding their sabers and you're like all right everybody and then you ignite yours and it goes Whoosh. like that's really cool moment however if you're in a two-hour lightsaber practice having a one 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 for two hours gets really really annoying and it kills your battery like it eats up your battery too so i prefer one that's just light and and then and often in a performance too you won't hear the saber anyway so the sound effects will be kind of put on in post so really for just having it for that one moment for like the kids like it's great i have like a few like that but i just prefer i press the button it lights up and it's really bright personally 
but uh i mean it that being said I, i've got like many many lightsabers and of course how many lightsabers do you also. have <laughs> i didn't ask you that i'm asking that question how many <laughs> lightsabers do you have oh my gosh well, we have to, i have to think i mean i just have one two three four, five, six. I have seven just right here with me right now. And there's more in the other room. So David, she might have more sabers than you. She probably does. I, I ended mean, up my- getting rid of some. I sold some to, um, <laughs> to, to like a stunt team. I sold another one to one of our members. So I actually, I'm slowly getting rid of some, like I purchased because I was just up late one night and had some wine and I'm like, I'll get the ultra saber, Ahsoka sabers, even though everyone says don't. And then they came and they were like this big around. And just is, is, is this a cry for help, Kate? Do, do we need to have an intervention? I've gotten better. I've gotten better. I found a lightsaber seller that I love now. And I'm just like, whenever he has one on Instagram, he's like, hey, just tell him this one. Does anyone want it? I'm like, so, well, so w- which is your favorite saber right now? My favorite, my favorite like belt hanger is probably my Vader's Vault. This one that I got at New York Comic Con okay. three years ago. I love it so much. Like it, it feels nice in my hand. It's lightweight. It's got full, full sound, but it's, um, this one I don't do the clicky clacky with because it's too, it's too pretty. Now, now does it have a cover tech or a D ring on it? This one does have a cover tech. Most of my lightsabers actually don't have cover techs because I find them annoying. Okay. I have a lightsaber. So I, I keep this one on because this one I usually hang on my belt and it looks really cool. But then when I'm like doing choreography, I'll take that one off. And then usually I grab one of like my high sabers, like this one that I love very much. See, it doesn't have a, it doesn't have a cover tech because like I'm doing choreo. So my hands are moving around a lot. Um, so I like to do one-handed stuff. So I tend to shift my, my uh, grip a lot. So I like having ones that are nice and smooth and I don't, my hands don't get caught anywhere. Now, um, do you, now, do you do any dual wielding or do you have a double bladed saber? Uh, let's see, I do, have, I do have a saber staff um, okay. that I did a little, I did like a little like saber staff lightsaber form with. Uh, I do do dual. I, I have, I have had, I have had a background in martial arts. I know some like Kung Fu lightsaber forms and a couple are like dual blades. So yeah, so if I get like two lightsabers in my hand, absolutely. They're just dual for me, at least dual blades are kind of hard to choreograph right now because I haven't done a lot of choreographing with them. So like dual versus like a single is, is still like a little bit tricky to do. So when I'm just like trying to come up with some choreo, just having like the one saber is just personally easier. I, I, I I'd like to get better saber. at the dual. So <laughs> let's get into our subject matter of the night here. <laughs> um, Obi-Wan Kenobi. So we the, the show has finished up. Um what was your David, what was your overall thought of the show? Well, in all honesty, when they first announced it, I thought, I don't do we really need this? Is is Obi-Wan Kenobi something that we need? And I I had to be kind of talked into it uh because I didn't know that there was a story there. Um to tell because you know we the last time we see kenobi is in the prequel trilogy we see him at the end of revenge of the sith and he he leaves he and bail and yoda decide to split the twins up and uh kenobi takes luke to owen and baru and he leaves them with them and then rides off into the sunset and then we see him at the end of we see him in season three of Rebels when he's on, when he and Ezra are on Tatooine and Darth Maul shows up looking for Ezra and Maul and Kenobi fight and spoiler alert. Right. OK, so this is a spoiler alert, not only for the for Kenobi, but also for all the other shows at the end of season three of Rebels, uh, Kenobi kills Maul. 
and that's and he's he's the older kenobi because you know rebels ends right before episode four yeah and then at that point then we see obi-wan kenobi as alec guinness and so there there is a, a gap in the years between revenge of the sith and when we see kenobi again in rebels but i wasn't really convinced that there was a story that was necessary or compelling now what they delivered was very good uh, I liked that they showed a progression of the character. I liked that it picks up 10 years after Revenge of the Sith. And so when we see Kenobi at the beginning, he is broken. He is kind of dissociated himself from not only his previous life as a Jedi, he's completely dissociated himself from the Force. Mm -hmm. And he's just kind of going through the motions and he, he's pretending to watch over Luke, but he really can't do anything about it. I mean, he's, he's hidden his lightsabers. He's buried his lightsabers somewhere. When he finally gets them out, we see that they are, are dusty and they haven't been cleaned. They're, there's clear mis neglect, for lack of a better term. Hmm. And so even if Vader had shown up to get Luke, what's Kenobi going to do about it? He, he can't do anything. And, and, and so it was nice to see through the progression of the character in the first, first few episodes, you see him, he clearly has PTSD, not only from being a war veteran, but also from having what he thought killed his best friend. Because at the end of Revenge of the Sith, he thinks that Anakin is dead. And he thinks that he killed him and he thinks that he failed him and turned him into Vader um, and falling to the dark side. And so there, there's kind of a redemption arc there. Uh, I liked that this, this, the center of the show was on Leia, even though yes, even though Reva doesn't know why Leia is important, she only knows that Leia is some connection to Kenobi's past life. She has no idea that that Leia is Vader's kid, or that that Owen and Luke are, are is are harboring Vader's kid. And so, seeing that progression come back and seeing the the fights between the different in the difference in the fights between the first confrontation that. Kenobi has with Vader and the last well and the second one and then the last uh, fight between them um they did they did I think good character development um you know I I a lot of people liked the 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 sixth episode um but like I said I don't know that it was really necessary but I thought it was good I mean if if Star Wars if Disney can keep putting out content like that on Disney plus I think I think it's it's a good thing for the franchise. It's a good thing for Star Wars, you know, because it's we've got Andor coming up. We've got Mandalorian season three coming up. And so there there are other uh, avenues coming forward, uh, which will advance the story. You know, I to me, it was just one of those. I don't know that it was necessary, but I'm kind of happy now in hindsight that they did it. So what about you, Kate? Well, that was, that was a great, that was a great take, David. <laughs> um, <laughs> wow. I mean, as like, like putting my Saber Guild hat on, like being a member of one of the fan groups, mm. I love, I, I mean, what a spoiled fandom, <laughs> all this great new content. And I love when new content comes out because it's keeping Star Wars relevant. It's keeping the name out there. It's keeping the brand out there, which means it keeps our group relevant too. And also is bringing in um, the newer generation of kids into Star Wars and it might interest them in Star Wars. I mean, maybe they're not watching Kenobi, but maybe they're watching the Lego parody of Kenobi, you know? So it just kind of like keeps us relevant, which, which I like. Um, and then like as non-saber girl, just as like, Kate, I mean, I, 
I love Star Wars. So I love that we keep getting new content that we get to consume. And it's, I love the world building. I love seeing the different aliens. And, um, you know, it's nice seeing like the story, the progression of the story too, especially, you know, watching all of the, uh, watching Rebels, watching Clone Wars. I felt like this was a really nice addition um, to kind of the Star Wars anthology that we've got going on here. I liked, um, I liked seeing like, this part of Obi-Wan. And I also, I really liked the ending. I don't know if it was like controversial, that cameo or whatever. Um, spoilers, 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 spoilers. It was Liam Neeson. Um, I, I love that he finally appeared after Obi-Wan's been trying to reach out to him. So it's pulling in that spiritual aspect that really pulled me into Rebels. Because Rebel, Rebels took me a little while to kind of get into it. And as soon as they started introducing the, the thing with like the loaf wolves and the and the the father and the bringing all that stuff back in I thought was so cool and I love that like so we got that Liam Neeson the force goes so I'm like okay is that going to be what's next for Obi-Wan is that what the Ahsoka series is going into with Ezra Bridger Ezra Bridger are we going to like move into that area because I would love to see in a live action them explore that aspect of the force because I don't feel like in a live action we've we've seen a lot of that and I felt like it it ties into you know that kind of like last line that we get from from Obi-Wan and in, in a new hope where he's like you could strike me down but I'll be more powerful than you could possibly imagine that line always kind of haunted me because I was like what does he mean he's like a ghost so yeah you got ghost powers but you're dead like I would so I'd love to like for them just to explore that more to be like okay like why is that so important how did he become that how did he know that he was going to disappear and become the force ghosts like when vader died he still had a body for a while he was on the funeral pyre he didn't like collapse into his outfit like obi-wan did so i don't i i think it'd be cool if they explore that i never thought bit. about that i i like that's yeah right unless what? i'm wrong but i mean i know I, I distinctly remember like the end of rache that he's there yeah. he's kind of like Right. Well, and, and then when you see him again at, at the, you know, at, you see uh, Kenobi, Yoda and Anakin first in the person of Sebastian Shaw. And then later on when they when they CGI in Hayden Christensen, yeah. he's got his full body and he's wearing his Jedi robe. So he's come back to the light side. Where did where did he learn? Where did Anakin Skywalker or where did Darth Vader learn that technique to become one with the force? We see it in the sequels. We see it with Luke Skywalker when he fades away. We also see it with Leia. That's interesting. He also fades away. So, hmm. and then also on the saber guilt side, just to come back to this, the lightsaber fights in Kenobi. The final, the the final oh, fight was impeccable. The you you thank definitely you. got the emphasism of the blue and the red, and it was constantly reflecting off of Vader's like helmet. It was, oh, it was Even good. The rebels' uh, helmet cut yes. thing, which I thought was really interesting. I was like, oh, like they already did. But it's cool. It's cool. It's fine. I was like, yeah, I wanted to see that anyway. It was fine. <laughs> to me, the best part about that last fight is after after Kenobi slices Vader's helmet open, and he's and they're they're talking, and um, you hear the you hear his voice modulate between Hayden Christensen and James Earl Jones. Oh yes. my god, I loved that it. was amazing. That was loved it. Perfect, perfect. The way that wow. the way they did that gorgeous i loved it no, and, no. and so of course being in saber guild like once we saw the uh obi-wan versus 
Padawan Anakin, of course, like I went to like my, my trainer with my fight partner. I'm like, so let's break down this fight because I would like it very much, please. And at first we like, we start breaking down like, oh, pff, easy. And then we start like looking at it closer. There's some really interesting things that Obi-Wan slash Ewan McGregor is like doing with his hands in this fight. We're like, oh, he's kind of holding it up like this. And I'm like, oh my God, he's holding his, his hilt in like a Darth Maul grip to like block the saber. Like, that's so weird. Is it because like Anakin's striking really hard? So he needs to have his two hands in that grip. So there's even what seems simple is actually like pretty elaborate choreography. If you're going super accurate, like we are, like we want to be holding the right grip that they're holding it with. So they give us a, a really awesome fight between Obi-Wan and Anakin. And then at the end, we get that amazing fight between Obi-Wan and, and, and Vader and like seeing those two fights, like the differences and how the two characters have grown is so cool. I'm so excited by it. Um, now that we've said all these amazing things, I'm, I'm going to be the negative here. There were some questions. I, all right. So I'm worried about future Star Wars on the basis of there there's not a lot of gap room left so how are when is it going to start i, I worry about the the retcon issues that might have to that might happen uh-huh. and because they're they're they keep going doing prequel stuff and it and then the, the reason i make this statement is when you watch episode four of you know a, a new hope you know, Luke is playing with a lightsaber like he's never seen it before and you know, like sticks it up to his eye. And everybody's like, ah, oh, you, you know, we all have that, that seen that joke. But in this, he clearly saw a lightsaber before. He's clearly seen someone with a lightsaber. He was escaping her. He, she was right behind him as he was going up the ladder. There's no way he oh. didn't see the red of the lightsaber and not know that. As he's running away and looking behind him, he can see her chasing after her with the lightsaber this to me this is the problem with star wars because on one level they're trying to cater to fans and on another level they're trying not to pander and Mm -hmm. that's a very fine line that they have to meet and i've said this before but no one hates star wars more than star wars fans (laughs) and so there there's a certain faction that that they they want they think they want something different but they what they really want is the same thing but when they get the same thing they're pissed off <laughs> you don't say and and so and so what what they what they learned in the sequel trilogy the, you know the force awakens they they made and the force awakens is a very safe movie and jj abrams made a very safe movie and uh it, it was very nostalgic and people liked it, but there was always that group. Oh my God, this is the same thing as new hope. Make something different. So then the, Ryan Johnson comes along and makes the last Jedi, which is very different. Mm. And those same fans were like, no, not like that. Star Wars sucks. <laughs> and unfortunately those, those people, instead of letting Ryan Johnson tell a story, they fire Ryan Johnson and they bring JJ Abrams back, who then makes a very safe movie in rise of skywalker and they're like oh my god this is the same thing as before where did palpatine come from star wars sucks and so star wars as a franchise is trying to they're trying to walk a tightrope that people want the nostalgia they want to see ewan mcgregor and they wanted to see hayden christensen come back as anakin and as 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 obi-wan 
And they did a great job. Right. But, but then, job. but then, but then, then you get the nitpickers come in and say, well, why does Leia's address General Kenobi years ago? You served my father in the Clone Wars. Why doesn't she say, hey, bro, remember when we went on that road trip when I was 10? And that, oh, that, that's a retcon, you know, and that doesn't work. And like you were just talking about, oh, there's no way just, Luke hasn't seen the lights there. So, so they're, they're trying to walk that balance instead of just telling a new story. And then when they make, oh, I don't understand why we needed Rogue One. Rogue One's just filling a plot hole, blah, 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 blah. Well, you, you said you were tired of Skywalker movies, so we're making Rogue One. But you wanted something that was old but you didn't want something that was new. What the hell? And solo so, movie. That's where he, that's where Han Solo came in. Han, and they made this solo movie, yeah. be, you know, that they, they, people didn't, they thought they wanted a Han Solo movie, but then they didn't want a Han Solo movie. So now they're making this Andor series and people are like, why are we having an Andor series? So, so it's just that, that dichotomy of, of Star Wars fans in air quotes who think they want something, but they don't really know what they want other than, Whatever comes out, they just want to bitch about it. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. But wasn't it? Was it? Was it Henry Ford that says like, if you asked people like back in the day, like what they wanted for like transportation, like what the improvement was, they would just say a faster horse. Like they wouldn't say like a car. I sometimes think about that with this, that's, but I also feel like when you just brought up Rogue One, I was just thinking Rogue One. I was going to say I feel like Rogue One was a good example of of like them successfully doing a story, like not super directly, but it didn't have a Skywalker like in it that was successful, kind of like proved that, okay, maybe we can do a story outside of this whole Skywalker saga and explore the rest of the, the Mandalorian was a little bit like that before we started getting cameos. And I feel like that was very successful. I would love to see more stories from the outer rim. consider Rebels? Star Wars, I mean, it it became it became that it started off as a show about Sabine and Ezra and Kanan and Hera, but then they had to start bringing in. They started bringing in characters from the Clone Wars. They started bringing in Rex yeah. and and, yeah. and and Cody yeah. and Gregor and and so on. And that's kind of the thing is is you know it, I thought there was some parts of Kenobi were very self referential. And sometimes it was a nice little Easter egg. And sometimes it was just like, are they doing that just to so that Kenobi can say hello there? Which so, he did. He, he, he did. totally did. At I least believe. twice. So, but, you know, the, I don't know if you've seen this, but Taika Waititi was talking about making a series of movies that, that are, have no connection to the existing canon. I would yeah. love that. Which, which, uh, which would that. be great. You know, the, the High Republic okay. is a series of books. I don't know if you're reading. I'm not, but the High Republic series and comics they take place uh, uh, like 200, 400 years before uh, Phantom Menace. So it's a, it's a, an era of Jedi when there are Jedi, but the Sith are still hidden. You know, so, so that doesn't have any direct connection. Um, That'd be fun. But like I said, it's it's Disney is having to walk a fine line between you know, be uh, having new stuff, new content that brings in new viewers and being, you know, people who want only want the nostalgia. Mm. And, and I, I kind of, I am for any star Wars story that is compelling that has new characters. Um, last Jedi has a lot of problems, but last Jedi to me is the best of the sequel movies because it is, it takes risks and it tries something new mm. and it's, it's, it, 
it at least made the attempt where force awakens didn't and rise of skywalker didn't either yeah i i liked obi-wan i really did i i mean it and we had talked about this before like there you knew what characters were going to come out on top like you knew that vader was not going to die you knew that obi-wan wasn't going to and when we after we saw the first couple episodes we knew luke we knew leia you, you know there was no risk for them and it was curious to see how they were going to interact and how they were going to develop and what was going to become of this right but um, but you also you also knew that there was no risk to anakin and to obi-wan in the clone wars but the Clone Wars is good because it tells compelling stories. Mm -hmm. And Obi-Wan, I think, eventually tells a compelling story. And at the end of that, you can kind of see them lay the seeds for some more things. Um, it looks like there's enough demand that there's going to be an Obi-Wan season two. Yeah. You know, now, I don't know what you guys think, but my hope is, is in Obi-Wan season two, we don't get you know, we don't get a, a, a Vader Obi-Wan rematch. I mean, just because I, 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 I think that that arc is fine. I don't know that they need to keep having that confrontation come back and back again, because then that kind of dilutes their, their meeting again in New Hope on the Death Star. I hope they explore the, um, that kind of Jedi hidden trail like underground railroad thing that they kind of were talking about. I hope they talk about that more because a bunch of my friends kept saying, as soon as they saw that Quinlan Voss, like, yes. friends, like, oh, do you think he's going to be anything? Where we have a live, live action like Quinlan Voss? I was like, I, I don't know. It's a short series. I'm not sure they need to be just like that big of a character. So I really hope that they explore that a little bit more. And maybe we could see some of those Jedi a little bit would be kind of, would be kind of cool. But I just hope too that Obi-Wan just gets off it's off Tatooine. I really like seeing these different worlds that we've never seen before yes. and like seeing them kind of explore those environments a bit. I really appreciate well, it. Right. My question about that, when they mentioned Quinlan Voss, when they said, when they said Master Quinlan, I was like, is that an Easter egg or is that Chekhov's Jedi? <laughs> is, is, is that something that they're, is, is that something that is going to pay off later? Or is that something that they just, is that something that they just dropped in? Like they dropped it, like they dropped Quinlan Voss into Revenge of the Sith. Uh, so I don't know, uh, but I would like if they do a, if they do a sequel. I think I think exploring the the um, the Jedi Underground Railroad. Oh, that would be fantastic. I think exploring the his relationship with Master Qui Gon would also be fantastic. Um, but I like I said, I, I I just don't I just don't want to see I don't want to see Vader Kenobi rematch. I, I, I do hope they they answer the question of how come. Qui-Gon Jinn gets stabbed one time in the stomach and dies, but Rava gets stabbed like three right. times and just like shrugs it off. How come they never showed her wound? I don't know why it bothered me so much. It bothered me that I was just like, well, how bad is it? Like, I can't, I can't see. She did get stabbed twice, right? She got stabbed twice. What, once when she was little? Didn't she's she just get like, stabbed? ah, my stomach. Yeah, and then she got stabbed again. And she's like, YOLO. And just kept on going. Yeah, and... she's apparently okay. I wish they had shown it. Obviously, their plot armor was better than Qui-Gon Jinn's. <laughs> apparently, and, and, and even the Inquisitor, he got stabbed. And he's like, yo, I'm good. He walks it off, too. Well, they're, they use the dark side. Maybe they, I don't know. Well, <laughs> I have no idea. What, what, they, what they established. I, I don't want to nitpick. Last, I'm not what, nitpicking. Please, I was more of a joke than anything. No, but, but I was just like, they, I was like, huh. What they established in Last Jedi is the power of force healing. That's true. 
and and that didn't exist didn't exist in phantom menace that's not to say that other jedi didn't have it but maybe qui-gon jinn didn't know it or the other thing is you know qui-gon jinn believed in the living force and he believed in the will of the force and maybe it was the force the force's will that he die that sucks because did he disappear no, no, no he didn't disappear. He, well, I mean, he, he did disappear down the, the hole. <laughs> he, no, 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 he didn't. No, he that's right. He had the mall did. I remember. Oh, Ma- yeah. Master Qui Gon, because he dies in Obi Wan's arms and he says, Promise me you'll train the boy. Yeah. And then he dies and he, d- he does not vanish in, and become a force ghost, at least that we see. We, know, we don't know that he didn't later. Yeah, could have been off screen. Interesting. Well, yeah, he got uh, he got burnt like uh, no, no, they they burned him on a pyre. Yeah, they had a funeral pyre at the end of Phantom Menace. Ooh, the plot thickens. Did that that was a total joke. That was more of a joke than anything, and we just went down a rabbit hole accidentally. Oh, no, Um, no, he he was cremated. Yeah, he was cremated at the end of of uh, of Phantom Menace. Yeah, you're right because you see the little pat. No, that's not the parade. Is it after the parade? It's before because because there's a picture of him all of everyone standing around watching his yeah. funeral yeah. fire. Okay, okay. It's uh. interesting now. Ooh, mm. plot. Mm. But at the I, but at the set the, the precedent is that Vader also was cremated in a pyre yeah. in his armor, and Vader becomes a Force ghost. Or Anakin Skywalker becomes <laughs> a Force ghost. So I, I, I will say this though: Hayden Christensen did a great job. Uh, the lovely lady who played Rava, um uh moses ingram yes, yes. she didn't she did a great she did a great job yes um she did not do nearly as bad as like the toxic star wars was oh, saying boy. and yeah. you know breaks my heart um they just wanted an excuse to hate someone and it happened and, and, and they, they fixated on the black woman yeah um, um, I, I thought a lot of the casting was very good you know that they, they got they got Owen back from uh, Revenge of the Sith, and he was just fantastic. He's great roast, roasting Kenobi left and right. Yeah, uh, uh, the 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 um, Vivian, the girl they got to play Leia. Oh my God, she was amazing. She was fantastic. Oh. Fantastic. Did you know? Uh, so Lola, her robot, right? Do Do you know this 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 little Easter yeah. egg? Well, okay, go ahead, Kate. I'll let you tell it. Oh. Oh, apparently, well, like Carrie Fisher growing up had a little parrot named Lola. That's why they named the little robot Lola. Yes, that is such a sweet, endearing nod to Carrie Fisher. Like when I found that out, I was like, oh, that's adorable. That's they didn't have to do that. They made sure they did that. I love that. That was that's pure love right there. I I thought for sure at the end of that, that Bale was going to say, you know, you need someone, something that is uh, you need a better bodyguard than Lola. Here's R two D two because you know R two D two has taken down entire like where is full of clone droids. When so where does he oh when does he show up? Because R two was on her thing. Oh my god, that would have been a perfect like segue R- bringing R two in. R two R two and three PO were in um were on Alderaan in the first episode. Were they? Yes. I didn't see them. Yeah. In in oh. the in the scene where where the where the cousin is being a jerk and and yeah. Leia calls him out. R2 and 3PO were in the background. I didn't notice Wait. that. Google it. I, I noticed freaking uh Boba Fett on the the tractor from the meat slaughtering plant, but not R2D2 and C3PO. Wow. Well, the first listing on Google says 
you probably missed Obi-Wan Kenobi's R2-D2 in 3PO cameo. Oh my god. <laughs> so don't feel bad. What? That's so awesome. But yeah, there it is. You're ah. Uh, there they that are. Is, I love that. I Dude, Disney is so good with their little Easter eggs. They are so casual, nonchalant with them. Um, yes, it definitely looks like we're getting a season two of Obi-Wan because even McGregor right up said, yeah, I'll do this again. I'll keep doing this. Like, he loves playing Obi-Wan. Um, well, and then Hayden Christensen said he would like to have another, he would like to have a separate Vader series. You could tell he was having a blast. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I, <laughs> and and <laughs> they really need to, I know they can deep voice, uh, you know, uh, oh my God. I can't believe I can't think of names right now. James Earl Jones. Yes. I know they can deep voice him, but like, I want to get as much of his, like his talking and his voice as much as possible before he passes away. Cause he's what, 92. It's, it's in the computer. They'll just have the computer generated, but, okay. um, yeah, uh, I and it's Hayden Christensen was also one of those actors that Star Wars fans, because Star Wars fans just like to bully the shit out of people. And, you know, they did it starting with Jake Lloyd at a Med Best and going through Daisy Ridley and Kelly Marie Tran and George Lucas himself. And Hayden Christensen was one of those that, that because people hated people my age and older, they they hated the prequel trilogy. Um, because it wasn't it wasn't their Star Wars or whatever mm -hmm. BS reason they could come up with. Um, but then you have younger folks, people your age who grew up on the prequel trilogy, and that's your Star Wars. And, you know, and Kate, you were talking about this earlier, that Star Wars brings in young people, whether it's Rebels or Clone Wars mm -hmm. or The Resistance or, you know, some of these other shows. You know, Baby Yoda is a, is a, a flagrant attempt at, at bringing in another young child who's you don't cute say and gets people to watch the show just like leia is i mean precocious 10 year old you know everybody loves a precocious 10 year old with a bad attitude and who will roast a jedi master i Love mean it. so so that's that's what star wars does um you know and and if they if they have a compelling story i'm there for it you know and some of the stories have been less than compelling you know, Book of Boba Fett before the Mandalorian shows back up was kind of less than compelling for most of it. Um, yeah. But they, there are stories to tell. And, you know, Kate, you were talking about, well, what's what's going to when are they going to do with Ezra? It, Ezra is I think Ezra is going to show up in the Ahsoka series. Yeah. Did you see the leak? There Which was one? some leak footage uh, from the Ahsoka series. Is and that, it shows. um I'm I'm terrible with names lately right now, but it showed the other uh, the the Twi'lek that was in Rebels, the mechanic, Hera. Hera. It showed her walking down, and then you see Ahsoka take off her her cow and is looking at her. Ooh. Well, because the, the 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 finale of at the finale of Rebels, uh, Ahsoka leaves to find Ezra and Grand Admiral Thrawn. And the, the only question that, that I didn't know at that point is what's the timeline? Because Rebels ends, I want to say Rebels ends right before Yavin. Um, yeah. And so is, and we also know through, through the Apocrypha and through some of the other materials that Hera was at Endor. So is, does Ahsoka leave after does she, does she leave after New Hope or does she leave after Jedi? And that's really kind of unclear uh, at the end of Rebels. Um, and 
you know, so then what happens? Uh, but I, I think Ezra is going to show up in live action along with Grand Admiral Thrawn at the end of somewhere in the middle of the Ahsoka series. He's such a great villain. Yes, he is. He, he's one they've been they've done consi- that's been done consistently well. I I was not a fan of him on Rebels because I didn't like the way the kind of light wispy voice that they gave him because I I I don't think in my mind that's not how Grand Admiral Thrawn talks but that's a me problem but the, but the depiction is is very good. I thought uh, it was very scary though. I, I thought they did they did it they did it well and and, yes. and when when the original when they really released those um. The original trilogy in theaters i remember going to see those and then reading all of the books yes and i loved that the thrawn like trilogy that is the trilogy right and, yes. and i loved all the books that followed like these grand moths that were still like out there like doing their thing even though the empire had kind of fallen i was like man i really hope that they explore that and they, i don't feel like they, they really have yet in a live action i think that, that's a really compelling kind of cool storyline right yes so basically what I'm hearing is we want we want more uh, yeah. Ewan McGregor. We want more uh, Hayden Christensen. We want more Qui- uh, Liam Nielsen for uh, as at least as a ghost. Definitely maybe some prequel stuff to where he was younger. Um, and we definitely want to see what we can do with Ahsoka and we definitely want Ezra. Um, and there's so much more that they're still giving us um very very spoiled nerdy culture i think uh almost as spoiled as the marvels i think we (laughs) disney is just like throwing everything at us to the point where we i can't even keep up with it on the show um which is an amazing problem to have well Um, as long as it's profitable they'll keep doing it i mean that's absolutely with that and marvel i mean that's I, i let's let's also not forget Disney is not doing this out of the goodness of their hearts. Okay. Yes, they are. Don't lie to me. Don't, don't say <laughs> yeah. that. They, they are uh, absolutely. If, if, Disney, if, if Dis- you're listening, you're totally doing this out uh, of the goodness Dis- of Dis- your heart. Dis- Disney is doing this because it's making money, uh, and and that, which is fine. Again, have I mentioned that I'm going to Galactic Star Cruise in about a month? <laughs> yeah, and, they're getting your money. They're, and, they already know. They're like, go oh, away, they, Dave. They have already taken my money because final payment was made. <laughs> oh, no, they're just going to get more because you're going to go there and you're going to see all the lightsabers and you're going to yes, see all yes, this cosplay yes. stuff. All, all, all of that is designed specifically to take money out of my wallet. But but as long as and they are breeding, they, they, are, they are, are raising a new group of fans. And it's not just people who are my age or people that are your age you know they're getting my people my granddaughter's age she's 14 and 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 all that uh you know kate is is i'm sure much younger than i am and she loves star wars and and are, are you surprise you, you but we don't have to are, go over that are, are you are you a prequel kid what, what are you in the 90s yes yeah. i was not born in the 90s okay i'm an 80s kid okay <laughs> so 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 the prequel trilogy is your star wars no, original really? my Star Wars. Did you, did your parents raise you on the original trilogy? Mm-hmm. Good. I well, wasn't really like I was. I was very young. I, I was born in eighty three, so I was very young. Like when my parents first showed it to me, so I didn't really get into it until they re released the enhanced. What were they called? Oh, the, the special editions. Yeah. Okay. That's okay. that's when I really got into it. When okay. Those came out. So I was. So that makes sense. So it feels kind of like like maybe the star the prequels were because it's kind of like I just saw Star Wars for the first time. They only had to wait a year or two, and then like the prequels came out. So okay, <laughs> I got spoiled um, too. <laughs> Daddy pride nerd moment here. I, I I'm so glad you brought up that question. Um, 
because I rewatched the last episode before this, before we did this podcast, right? Because I just wanted to keep it fresh in my head. And, you know, the twins, I had them sitting there watching it with me and we finished up the episode. And my one twin, Isaac, he goes, Mickey Mouse, can we watch Mickey Mouse? Because, you know, it's on Disney Plus. And my boy, and he, he he's definitely leveling up as, I won't say I have a favorite, but I'm definitely leaning a certain way right now. He goes, no, dad, Star Wars. Yes. And I'm like, yes. All right, all right. Yes. He's already the one that says I'm a big nerd. Because I, I was like, I was like that. I they were asking me, I'm, I'm a nerd. And he goes, I'm a nerd, dad. And I'm like, yeah, you are, buddy. Like well, in the fact that two and a half. His lightsaber training. Oh, exactly. Right. In. That's why I got you around to go do that. <laughs> so so what? So when's practice, Kate? <laughs> right dude i will totally be dude. uh july 10th <laughs> I did. very the next open practice where's it actually where is it going to be it'll be at um adaptive movement park court in new britain oh snap okay now, is that an indoor facility or outdoor facility indoor okay well, I, I asked because of COVID and some some of the some of the local lightsaber groups now they're the fighting groups, the sparring groups. They're practicing outdoors in in all the in parks and stuff. So I didn't know if that's what you guys did or if you guys practiced uh we were, practicing. we were, but now we've kind of moved inside. It's a really big gym. So okay. um folks that, that want to can wear masks. It's not required, but um yeah. So if people are interested, where can they find you guys, Kate? Uh so the Saber Guild international website is Mm sabergill.org and if you want to kind of follow what kessel temple is doing if you're in connecticut you can find us on facebook at ct sabergill we're also on instagram at ct sabergill and you can we keep it up to date with all of our latest events so you can see where our next appearance is and um also all of our open practice information too is on page so we have been going for a while and I think this is a perfect time to wrap this up. So let's go ahead and let's wrap this up. As always, please like, subscribe and follow us wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you are listening to us on Apple or Spotify, please remember to rate and review. We're also on Instagram and Facebook. So please like and follow us at DNA pod or on Twitter at nerd DNA pod or on our webpage, www.nerddnapod.com. Um, I'm also going to add in because we have been talking about lightsabers. Ultra Saber has given us a discount DNA pod or DNA pod 10 yes that's it dna pod 10 um is the discount code for 10 percent off of your lightsaber uh any order from ultrasabers.com um this is the dna podcast you have been listening to myself steve Pugh, the wonderful the impeccable the always inquisitive david perry and the saber connoisseur uh not hoarder uh miss kate uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for being here tonight. Uh, thank you so much, Kate. Thank you much, so much, David, for being on the show and just going on this huge tangent. Um, it has been an amazing show for with you guys tonight. Thank you so much. May the force be with you. <laughs> Thanks again. <laughs> thank you and good night. <laughs> <laughs>